Thank you, Chuck. That was beautiful. I was thinking about the, the words of this song. Can you just turn me down just a little bit? I hear a little bit of the... Gotcha. Um, when I think about the, uh, the Lord's Supper here this morning, and I think about uh, the words that Ed spoke here this morning, and then you get to that song, 349, 10,000 Angels. And it really makes me think a little bit tied into this lesson here this morning, because do we ever really, when we sing these songs, do we fully actually appreciate the words? And I want you to look at 349 for a second, because in 349 it says, They bound the hands of Jesus in the garden where he prayed. Upon his precious head they placed a crown of thorns. They nailed him to the cross while his mother stood nearby. They led him through the streets in shame. They spat upon him, the Savior. And you look at these words here in this song. It said, he cried, for I thirst for water, but the cross, uh, but, but no water came. Instead, they gave him sour wine. I look at these words, and we don't have, I'm not going to do a study on this here this morning, but I look at those words, I think about what Chuck was saying here this morning uh, uh, with his uh, comments over the Lord's Supper, and it makes me think of the Apostle Paul from the standpoint that when Paul uh, had the thorn in the flesh and he prayed to the God three times, that it would be taken away. He said, you guys remember what he said? My grace is sufficient. Huh? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. Well, what did he mean by that? You know those words that we just read? Those words that we just looked at again? When he sent his son into the world to die for an evil, undeserving creation. And yet, while we were yet sinners, he sent his son to die for us. And he was spit upon. And he was mocked, and he was scourged, and he was beaten, and he was uh, mocked, and so many other things. And then he was finally nailed to a cross. So when you hear those words, and then you wonder why God doesn't answer your prayers, I want you to remember the words that he told the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. God never promised to take away all the problems of life. He actually told us we should expect problems to come if we follow him. We should expect persecution and trouble, but my grace is sufficient for you. And I wonder sometimes how many Christians fully understand that. When they, don't, when they wonder why their prayers aren't always answered, Jesus, God the Father, said my grace is sufficient for you. And I want you to keep that in mind this morning as we go through this morning's lesson. Because if you look on the screen behind me, what does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. Well, based on the Lord is my shepherd, based on what I just had to say, what does that really mean, that he is our shepherd? Did you know that when you were to, uh, if you were to do a, a, a word search for sheep or for lamb or other things, the words are used over 400 times. Why are there 400 times when the, when the, uh, in the word of God that we see uh, the words sheep or lambs that are used? Have you ever heard the term that people are like sheep? And that we oftentimes, like sheep, we follow the path of, well, least resistance. Isn't that really true? How many people don't put themselves out there because they would rather follow the path of least resistance? And we understand that Jesus used many of, in his, many of his parables and his teachings, he used references to what? Sheep and farming. Why? Because that is something that his 
his people, the people of the first century, would have easily understood why. Because most of them were farmers or sheep herders. They were shepherds, many of them. And so they would have fully understood the application of the teachings that he was trying to make. And so in many of the scriptures that we see, and that some of them that we're going to look at here this morning, we need to understand that the children of God are referred to as sheep. And we're going to understand that the Lord is my shepherd. I look at the first passage of scripture on the screen behind me. Notice that it says that know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Well, when you look at that, when we stop and think about it, people really are like sheep. When, you, when the sheep out in, in, in the front of the herd, they start to move. And if you ever examined uh, sheep, if you have ever read any information about shepherds and sheep and how that works, when the sheep out in front start to move, guess who follows? The rest of the sheep. And you think about mankind and how we are often like sheep. Has anybody ever, you guys ever heard the phrase about somebody following the crowd? Well, where does that, that phrase come from? It comes from sheep. And so how often do we know that, that people like to follow the path of least resistance? How many times or how many stories can you be, or, or, or that can be told about people who have uh, followed the path of least resistance, followed the crowd, and have found themselves in, any sort, in, in many different sorts of danger? The sheep that are following, they don't know what lies ahead. They don't know what dangers are to come, but they follow anyways. Brethren, that has happened so many times that they actually have coined a phrase for it. When we think of sheep and we think of mankind. If he's going to jump off a building, are you going to jump too? Have you ever heard that? If he jumps off the bridge, are you going to jump off the bridge? Well, they coined that phrase and you think about where that phrase comes from. It actually literally comes from sheep. Because it has been documented that sheep have been going along. They come to the cliff. And they go over the cliff, and guess what happened? Many of the sheep behind them went with them, right over the cliff. It's been documented. And so where do we get those sayings? We get them from sheep. And so you think about those things this morning. What else can we think about when we think of people that are like sheep? Do, are sheep known as wanderers, grazers? And we think about people. Are people not sometimes wanderers and grazers, right? And so we think about this. They sometimes graze around, they, they wander around, and then eventually we as human beings, we do something similar, and then eventually we get to a place that we're not even sure exactly how we got there. And that kind of hits home from last week's lesson to where we slowly fall away. Nobody just cuts everything off instantly. It's usually a slow fade. And then eventually you get to a place to where years down the road, you look in the mirror, and, you, and I said last week, you see a shell of a once formerly faithful, dedicated Christian. But you didn't get that way overnight. It was a slow fade. A slow uh, uh, wandering or grazing, if you will, eventually led to where you were at. Fortunately for the sheep, though, there's what? Well, they go backwards, and they had a shepherd. Well, we too, as human beings, have a shepherd. We know that a shepherd's job is to care for the flock. The shepherd is to go out, provide rest for the flock, lead them to still waters, lead them to drink, lead them to safety, rescue them when they go astray. And so just like the sheep, we too are fortunate to have a shepherd. 
And so we too have a shepherd who loves us, loves us so much that what did we just talk about when we partook of the Lord's Supper here this morning? A shepherd who loved us so much that he was willing to die for us. But we also know that's what the job of the shepherd was in the those who were shepherds of the sheep in the first century. Many times they would have been attacked by wild animals. Some of them died. But they gave their lives to protect those who were in charge in their charge. Jesus gave his life to protect those who are in his charge. Brothers and sisters, we look at the scriptures this morning. I look at the next passage of scripture in John chapter 10. And I look at verse 11. And notice what it says. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. What else does he say? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Christians are truly a blessed people, brethren, when you realize all that God has done for you. When you realize that he gave his life for you and that his grace should be sufficient for you. Because we also know that how often then after the Lord's Supper and we have this opportune time and we take up the, the, the weekly collection, right? We're supposed to lay aside as we have stored, right? And so we take up a collection. And how many times have you heard about we give back a portion of what we have been blessed with? Blessed by who? Blessed by God. Do you know that there's literally not a thing in this life that you have on this planet that has not come from the resources that the planet provides? And then we use those things to make the things that we have. This building, our clothing, our food, and everything else that you can think of. And so we think about all that the Lord has provided. And when he says, my grace is sufficient for you, I want you to understand that when he does not hear or answer prayer in the way that you would want him to hear and answer your prayer, I want you to remember that Jesus, his son, he sent into the world to die not for his own transgressions and sin, but for yours and mine. And we also know that he gave his life because he loves the sheep. He loves those who are in his care. And we are his creation. Brothers and sisters, Christians are truly a blessed people. Amen? The God of creation sent his son into the world to rescue our, our, uh, us from ourselves. God sent in place not just God to, uh, Jesus to give his life, but he gave us a new law, a new covenant. So that way he, we can know how to be saved. We can know exactly what we're supposed to do. Peter tells us, 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 3, that God has given us everything for life and godliness. But unlike the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, people were born into a covenant relationship with God. But that's not so in the New Testament. And we know that the prophet Jeremiah spoke of that in Jeremiah chapter 31. And we know that Jeremiah, he spoke of a covenant relationship where all mankind would know God and all mankind would have the opportunity to enter into a covenant relationship with God. And we know that he spoke of salvation through education. You see, the Jews were born into a covenant relationship. We are not born into a covenant relationship. In the New Testament, it's salvation through education. What have you guys been hearing me say here recently? That we are to go out in the world and do what? Preach the word. Teach others. Share your faith. Salvation through education. Right? If you hear the word, right, we are to hear the word, and then what? Determine whether or not we believe the word. And so, brethren, we look at the, the scriptures here this morning. The Lord said, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. 
Laws are placed on men's minds by education. When we are taught the gospel, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are educated to the laws of the new covenant for salvation and we obey those laws, then and only then do we become covenant-related children of God. But obedience is key. You can't just believe in God and not actually make proper application of the law. I go back to this thing that I keep saying in Luke 6 and 46. Jesus talking to people who believed in him says, Why do you even call me Lord? You don't do what I ask you to do. You want me to be your master, but you don't actually do what I ask you. And so you look at these scriptures here this morning. I want us to understand that, that you are to be added to the pasture of God, which is the body of Christ, when you come to the knowledge of the truth of God's word, when you actually make Jesus the Lord of your life, when you're baptized for the remission of your sins, you repented, you baptized for the remission of your sins, God gives you the Holy Spirit. God adds you to the body of Christ. Notice this next passage of scripture. In John chapter 15, verse 1 through 7, hopefully you guys can read that. If you want to turn there, it's in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 15. And I want us to look at verse 1 through 7. Because I want you to understand what Jesus is saying here. He says, Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes, the teachers of the law, began to grumble. And they began to say, This man receives sinners. This man's eating with sinners and fellowshipping with sinners. And so Jesus told them a parable saying this, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one in which he has lost? And when he has found it, he does what? He lays it over his shoulders and he starts to rejoice. And when he comes home, he calls all of his, uh, his friends and his neighbors and he says to them, Rejoice with me, brothers. Why? For I have found my sheep that which was lost. Jesus tells him in verse 7, I tell you that in the same way that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous individuals who need no repentance. Brethren, Jesus is simply saying that there are many lost sheep in the world, and I have come to call the, uh, the sheep home. I have come to show them the way. I have come to let them know that, that they don't have to wander around in a lost state. And then living sinful lives where they have regrets uh, constantly that's filling, filling their minds. And so Jesus has come to show them the way home. So how does a sinner repent? How does a sinner learn to, that he needs repentance? How does someone learn that they are in violation of any law that they may find themselves under in a certain country in which they live or a certain city in which they live? Well, it's very simple. They are taught the laws of the land. And then they realize that either I'm, in, uh, in a, I'm living in accordance to the laws or I'm living in violation to the laws. And then you have the scriptures. And what do we understand? We understand that when we come to see ourselves as sinners, how do we recognize the fact that we're sinners? Salvation through education. You learn the law. The New Testament, God's moral law, his moral standards. And when you come to that knowledge, then you got a choice to make. Amen? And so, brothers and sisters, it's really simple. We need to understand who we are and whose we are. In light of this week's lesson, I ask this question. Who does the Bible say are the Lord's sheep? Well, in this next passage of Scripture, we learn exactly. 
And you look at John chapter 10, verse 24 through 28 behind me. Notice what it says. The Jews then gathered around him, who? Jesus. And we're saying to Jesus, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus said, I told you who I am. And yet you do not believe. And he says, the works, the works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. He's talking about the miracles, the signs, the wonders in verse 25 there. And in verse 26 it says, but you do not believe because you are not who? You're not of my sheep. There he goes using these terms again. Why? Because most of them were farmers and, and herd and, and shepherds. They would have easily understood these passages and these references to farming and to sheep. He says, but because you are not of my sheep, for my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my father's hands. What is the point there? Jesus knows exactly who his sheep are by those individuals who do what? Obey. What did I say in Bible this morning? Bible study this morning. I said I, I keep saying ad nauseum, and I'm going to say it again, and I hope the minister that comes after me continues to say it over and over and over. Biblical faith is belief, trusting in the promises, and obedience, working in harmony together. It has to be that way. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, you don't believe because you are not of my sheep. Because you hear my words, you see my good works, you see the miracles, signs, and wonders, and you still don't believe. Brethren, we know that there are many lost sheep in this world. We know that those lost sheep are talking about sinners in the world. In all of the world that we need to understand is that Jesus came to save all mankind. When Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 47 through 50, when Jesus says, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world, that's a true statement. Even though we're going to stand before God in judgment, it's a true statement because he came to give his life. But he follows that up with, but you have one that does judge you. And it's the words that I speak, but they're not my words. They're the Father's words. And he gave them to me. And I gave them to you. And I do exactly as the Father says. Why? Because his words contain eternal life. Brothers and sisters, do you see a theme here this morning? And when I say salvation by education, does that make sense? And so that's what the prophet Jeremiah was talking about back in chapter 31. And I think of this next passage of scripture in Mark chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why is he, talking about Jesus, why is Jesus eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, hearing what they're knowing what they're thinking, hearing what they're saying, he says, is it not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick? He says, I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners. You see, he gives a, a, a literal application uh, uh, to, a spiritual, uh, to a spiritual teachings. It's not those who are literally sick, uh, or, or those who are literally uh, healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Well, Jesus didn't come to deal with the physical problems of the world, to cure uh, poverty. He didn't come to, uh, to, to, to fix all the wrongs of mankind. No, he came with spiritual application in mind. He came to call, call sinners to repentance. His sheep, we know, brethren, when we look at this, are those who hear his voice, hear his word, and keep it. It makes me think of this illustration I'm going to give you. 
There was an illustration of an American, and he was in Syria. And he's, while he's in Syria, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's touring the land, and they're out on this tour, and they're by this uh, body of water, and he sees three different shepherds coming from three different directions. And they're bringing all of their sheep, and they bring them down to the brook, and they, the shepherds, by one by one, they bring all their sheep, and all the sheep are all mixed in and mingled together. And they give them rest, and they give them something to drink. And they allow them to take their time until all has been satisfied. And then one by one, the shepherd gets up and he says, Mena, Mena, which simply means, come, follow me. And so he says, Mena, Mena. And guess what? The sheep begin to follow that shepherd. But not all the sheep, just his sheep. And then the second shepherd gets up and he does the same thing. Mena, Mena. And his sheep start to follow him. He didn't even turn around to count them. And so the American's looking at this. He's like, this is amazing. And he's, before the third one stood up, he says, sir, please, if I may, give me your turban and your crook. I want to see if they'll, if they'll follow me. And so all of a sudden he stands up and he says, mana, mana. And he starts walking away. He turns around nothing. <laughs> and so he, you think about this. And he asks the Syrian. He says, will your flock never follow anybody else? And he says, oh, no, no, no. He says, sometimes the, the sheep get sick. And they'll follow anybody. I wonder how many of our family members and friends are sick sheep. I wonder how many people who've confessed Christ are sick sheep. I wonder how many uh, those who are in the world, co-workers, are sick sheep. You see, brethren, it's time that we stop worrying what people will think. And it's time that we start thinking about all who, have, uh, all, all who hear uh, Christ. And that we teach others how Jesus has come to give his life for salvation. And that he is the shepherd. And that he is the one that gives us rest. And that he is the one that has created us and provided for us. And so brethren, when we fully give our lives to Christ, life becomes simpler. The lines are no longer blurred. And we can find rest for our weary minds. Rest for our weary bodies. Rest for our weary souls. But it begins and ends with Jesus. And making him the Lord of your life. When someone truly gives his life to God, there is a serenity in knowing that God restores our souls. Amen? There's a serenity in knowing that God, he has, uh, he has a plan for us. There's a serenity in knowing that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that heaven will be my home. And that I don't have to fear evil. I don't have to fear all the problems that life is going to throw my way. Why? Because Jesus is my Lord and my shepherd, and his grace is sufficient for me. You see how that all kind of ties in? And you think about the words that Ed spoke here this morning? Brethren, it's time we start sharing the life-saving message of Jesus Christ. For those of us here today that haven't responded to the voice of our, Lord, of our shepherd, our Lord and Savior Jesus, I simply ask why. Remember, there's only two teams. There's two teams, and you get to choose which team you're on. Team Satan, Team Jesus. Both have consequences. Some positive, some negative. And if you're not responding to the call of Christ, then you're hearing and responding to the call of Satan. Open your Bibles, please, real quickly, before we close this lesson down. I want to look at Psalm 23. And you think, oh, another a whole song? It's only six verses. Come on. Psalm 23, six verses. We're going to break it down. Because I want you to understand when we say that the Lord is my shepherd, what do we mean by that? 
I'll give you a second to turn there. If you were to literally split your Bible in half, you open up the Psalms. It's a little trick I learned. Psalm 23. Notice what it says. We're going to start in verse 1 and 2. Psalm 23, verse 1 and 2 says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You look at verse 1 and 2, what are, what are we learning? What are we seeing here? The shepherd sees to it that the flock that are put in his charge are provided what? Food, protection, water. They're provided rest. They're provided comfort. And remember that God always supplies the needs of his sheep. I said earlier that there's literally not a thing on this planet that you own, that you have, that has not, been, that has not come from the actual resources that this planet provides. And then we take of those resources and we make clothing and we make buildings and we make furniture and we print out cash. And we have all these different things that all begins and ends with what God had provided. The Lord, who is our shepherd, provides for our needs in all instances of life. God will also supply our rest, brethren, not only uh, uh, during this time of, of persecution and affliction, because you can have peace in your heart, you can have an inner strength by knowing who you are and whose you are, but he'll provide an eternal rest that nobody can take from you if you live a life faithful unto God. And in verse 3 it says, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his, for his name's sake. Verse 3 indicates the restoring of the soul is the result of walking according to the law of God. And that's why we talk so often about why it's so very important. He guides me in the path of righteousness. Well, how does he guide me in the path of righteousness? He gives us, he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's literally given us the blueprints. If you want to have a spiritual home, he told you how to make the home. He told you how to acquire the home. Does that make sense? Psalm 19 and 7, don't turn there, but it reminds me of Psalm 19 and 7, which said the Lord, uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, and it restores our souls. And then I think of verse 4 of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, thy comfort me. Brethren, to follow Jesus does not mean that I shall be spared the unpleasant circumstances of life. Nor will, I be, uh, nor will I be spared the walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That means life is going to be difficult. But the difference is we can find comfort in knowing I don't walk alone. If I find myself at times like the Apostle Paul where all others forsook me, I still have Jesus by my side. Because I yoked myself to Jesus. I've yoked myself to Christ. And no matter how bad life gets, I don't walk alone. If all my friends forsake me, I don't walk alone. I can find comfort for my weary soul and for my weary mind knowing who my shepherd is. And that he will do what? He makes me lie down by green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He provides for my daily needs in the midst of struggle. And it makes me think of the prophet Elijah. When he was, uh, after the, uh, during the time of the, of the, uh, when the, when the rains had stopped coming. And then he had flee, he, he, he fled. And he was staying with the, uh, with the lady. And he was down by the brook. And all of a sudden he had ravens that were literally bringing him food. 
He had water to drink, and then he had food to eat. The birds were literally providing for him because God had sent them. And then what else do we know of that story? Then he went to stay in the widow's house, and she only had a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. He says, please make me some cakes. And she says, but I only have a little. He says, I promise you, if you make it for me, they will never run out. And the entirety of the time that he stayed there, that little oil and that little flour never went away. The, the 40 years of wandering in the desert, did God provide food and water even though they grumbled all the time? Did their sandals wear out? No. Why? Because God was providing for them in their moments of need. God provides for us in our needs, maybe not in the way that we think we deserve it. Too often times we ask God for physical blessings when God has intended to bless you with spiritual blessings. And so, brethren, I look at verse 4. And it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, remember that Jesus isn't trying to spare us from the unpleasant series of life. But the difference is we know that who walks side by side with us. That I can find peace in knowing that, that, that no matter what my struggles are, God has my back. God has my back and it gives me inner, inner peace and inner strength. And then verse 5 of Psalm 23 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 5 reminds me of this passage right here. Psalm 34 and verse 8. This is what Randy read this morning. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in the Lord. Brethren, how do we taste the Lord? How do we take refuge in the Lord? By hearing the word, by believing the word, by trusting in all of his promises and counting on those promises and taking comfort in those promises and being obedient into the, in, until, the, until our end of our lives comes. The table that God spreads, brethren, is going to be a feast. It's suited to the needs of the one who is created in God's image. Are we not all created in God's image? But not all of us will find rest for our souls. Because we know, brethren, there are many who have rejected and will go on to reject Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But more than security, more than nutrition is provided. You anoint my head with oil, and this speaks of gladness. Such treatment towards a guest was common in the days of Jesus. In Jesus' times, it was customary for a house guest to have his feet washed because of the way they reclined at the table, and that your dirty feet would have been sitting next to the next person because of the way they traveled, because they wore sandals everywhere they went. So it was customary to have their feet washed. It was customary to greet one another with a kiss. It was customary when you invited somebody into your home during that time to anoint their head with oil. And it reminds me now when I look at when I think about what King David says here in verse 5, at the end of verse 5, he says, My cup overflows. The blessings were more than abundant in King David's life in King David's life. Was his life perfect? No, because he made a mess of it. And sometimes we make a mess of our lives. And yet, sometimes we have struggles and problems that aren't even of our own making. But we know that if we trust in the promises, we know that God, no matter who forsakes me, walks side by side with me, has my spiritual back, provides for the basic needs of life, that I'll have everything I need. Maybe not in the way I want it, but my, His grace is what? Sufficient for me. Brothers and sisters, we look at this message here this morning. All of us that have been baptized according to the commandment of the Lord and sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, brethren, are now added to the pasture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
We, just like King David, can know that we are in an everlasting relationship. David knew that when he wrote most of the Psalms, he knew that when he repented uh, with, with a, just a, a great and an amazing repentance, we knew and he knew that God would provide for him. He didn't, re, didn't take away his struggles, didn't take away his problems, but his grace was sufficient for him. And so as I close this lesson down here this morning, brethren, we will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as we obey his commands. And how awesome is it? How awesome is it to know that we are loved that much by our Creator? Right? How awesome is it? Does that make you feel good? Should that energize you? Should that give you strength in the midst of the storm? Brethren, I pray that you realize that true peace can only be found in Jesus Christ can only be found in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I pray that you, give, uh, that you give up on trying to please men and work harder at trying to please God. If you find yourself in sin sinful situations, remove yourself from those sinful situations. If you find people that are trying to lead you down a wrong path, remove them from your life. Because you will stand before a holy and righteous God, you and you alone, and give an account of your life. You can't say, but I thought so-and-so was going to... No! You're going to answer to God for your life and the deeds and the works that come from your life, whether good or whether bad. And so you get to determine whether or not you're a sheep in the pasture of the Lord or you're a sheep that has gone astray and has went so far astray that the shepherd no longer could find you. Brothers and sisters, if you're hearing this message this morning and you want the prayers of the church because you're struggling with things in life, you can ask for prayers of the church this morning. If you're here this morning and you know that you've been away from the Lord's church for a while, brethren, you could make that right this morning by coming forward and, and asking to be restored. The elders will pray over you and they'll pray with you and they'll help you to strengthen that faith. But you may not be a child of God here this morning. And that may be your desire to give your life over to God, to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to confess his name publicly, to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then God will add you to the pasture of his making. Come forward, if that is your desire, as we stand and sing the song of invitation.